And have a seat, please. It's my turn. Uh, the old preacher Vance Havner, he said, the problem with sermonettes is they only produce Christianettes. I don't have enough time for a full-on sermon this morning, so I'm going to give you a sermonette and do with it what you will. Uh, it actually comes in the form of a charge for Pastor Mark. So this is going to center on uh, my charge to him as he starts pastoral ministry here at Enid MB Church. If you want to slot your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, we will be there here in just a second. But I have a joke. <clears throat> a shepherd was herding his flock in a remote pasture when suddenly a plain white Chevy sedan came barreling towards him. The driver, a rather stiff man in a suit and tie, leaned out the window and asked the shepherd, If I tell you exactly how many sheep you have in your flock, will you give me one? The shepherd looked at the man, then looked at his peacefully grazing flock and calmly answered, Sure. The man put his car in park, whipped out his laptop, digitally connected it to a satellite navigation system, synced the coordinates, scanned the area, and then opened a spreadsheet loaded with a complex algorithm. Finally, he printed out a 30-page report on his miniaturized portable printer, turns to the shepherd and says, you have exactly 1,586 sheep. That is correct. Take one of the sheep, said the shepherd. He watched the man select one of the animals and bundle it into his car. Then the shepherd says, if I can tell you exactly what your business is, will you give me back my animal? <laughs> okay, why not, answered the man. Clearly you are, excuse me, okay, why not, answered the man. Clearly you are a government employee, said the shepherd. That's correct, says the man, but, but how did you guess that? No guessing required, answered the shepherd. You turned up here without anyone calling you. You want to get paid for something I already know, and you don't really know anything about my business. Now give me back my dog. <laughs> it's a good one for tax season as we enter into all that. It's good stuff. As you may know, we're starting a new preaching series in the book of First Peter. We'll be starting that next week. And that study will likely carry us well into the summer. And as I've been reading through First Peter in these recent weeks, I'm trying to familiarize myself with, with the book, establish an outline, all those things. And doing that with the plan to do Mark's installation today, my mind immediately thought of First Peter 5, verses 1 through 4. So we're going to read that passage together, and I think you'll see why it is so appropriate for what we're doing here this morning. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Peter writes these words. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is the word of the Lord. So a word from Peter to the leaders of the churches in the northern part of Asia Minor, that's what's contained in these verses, 
And notice Peter here, Peter could have appealed to his resume. He, he could have appealed to his unique credentials, to his apostleship, but he didn't. He doesn't even call himself an apostle here. He doesn't call himself one of the twelve. He doesn't refer to himself as a close friend of the Lord Jesus. He refers to himself very simply as fellow elder. As a fellow elder in the church, he's got a word for these other church leaders. So Mark, as your fellow pastor here at Eden Nimby Church, I'm going to piggyback on the words of Peter, and from these four verses, in the minutes that I have remaining, I'm going to give you three personal qualities that make a faithful pastor. Three personal qualities that make for a faithful pastor. So first, from 1 Peter 5.1, foremost, a faithful pastor is one with a vital personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Peter references his relationship to Christ, and he does this by referencing himself as a witness. What is a witness? A witness is someone who tells you what they have seen and what they have heard. So Mark, you cannot faithfully shepherd and lead in your pastoral ministry if you cannot be a witness of Christ. And you cannot be a witness of Christ unless your experience with him is vital and dynamic and sincere. Tim referenced Paul's words to Timothy. He went on to say to that young pastor, he said, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. The word for progress there has kind of a funny definition. It means pioneer advance. So as one who leads, you must be advancing. You must be moving into new territories of study and achievement and and, and ministry. If the leaders of a church are not moving forward, advancing in their relationship with Jesus, the church is likely not to move forward either. And it's interesting, in my experience, the one thing that pastoral ministry can can take away from you at times is your zeal for the Lord. It can rob you of your joy in the Lord. It can sort of hijack the, the awe and the, and the wonder that is to characterize the Christian experience. Your relationship with God is just kind of a job. And the only way to counteract those attacks is to be diligently, intentionally seeking Christ, to cultivate a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and then share that Share what He gives you with us, and that way you will be growing and we will be growing with you. The second quality of a faithful pastor is loving a loving concern for God's sheep. A loving concern for God's sheep. Of course, I get that from verse 2. It says, shepherd the flock of God. The image of a flock and its shepherds is, or its shepherd is very, very often used in the Bible. You have all these shepherds in the Old Testament, Abraham and Jacob and Moses and David, all of them shepherds. Shepherds were those first summoned to the birth of Jesus. Jesus himself is called the good shepherd, the good shepherd who found his lost sheep, you and me, and and restored us to the fold of God. So mark your God-given responsibility as a shepherd, as, as one with loving concern for the flock, they're They're actually outlined. Those responsibilities are outlined here in verses 2 and 3. I think the first of those is to simply feed the flock of God. To shepherd means to care for. And the most fundamental thing involved with caring for sheep is making sure 
they are fed. And as that relates to these sheep right here in front of us, these sheep, they must have a steady diet of the Word of God. Without it, they will not be healthy sheep. And your task is a little bit different from mine in this area. Weekly, I'll be feeding the flock corporately. But you, you might have a little bit different tact as you work with teachers and leaders, as you help choose curriculum and, and even develop curriculum, and as you train volunteers and counsel individuals and couples. It may look different than this, but it's all going to center on the Word of God. It's all going to center upon the desire to see this group well-fed. And if they're well-fed, then they will be cared for. Pastors can get concerned and pay attention to a lot of things in the body, a lot of things in the flock that God has given them. But first and foremost, a healthy flock is one that is well-fed. So you'll feed the flock. Secondly, in displaying this loving concern for God's sheep, is just in your areas of oversight. And not only that you have oversight, but in the way that you give that oversight. The text says that that needs to be willingly and eagerly. Willingly and and eagerly. Good shepherd leaders, I think, have one thing in common. They're paying attention. If you are willingly and eagerly serving, you are paying close attention to the needs of the flock, to what needs improvement, to, to the way that people are feeling and being. Just pay attention. I think the tendency of many pastors is just to get lazy, to kind of abuse the flexible schedule, to get distracted with a bunch of things that are a lot less demanding. It's easy to go that route. Don't do it. Lock in. Pay attention in your oversight. The third way your loving concern for the flock is displayed is through your example. It's the end of verse 3. Be an example to the flock. So you're not to be domineering, which is to say your leadership doesn't consist of just giving orders. What it consists of is showing the way. You want people to serve? Show them what that looks like. Be an example to the flock. At one of my first ministry stops, at one of the first churches I ever served at, there was this notorious character that was actually a predecessor of mine. He had since moved on, but he had made a statement in the midst of his ministry that did not set well with the people and then became a a mantra amongst the staff. And that statement was this, as a ministry activity was about to start and chairs and tables and some different things need to be set up, And as he sat there observing the activity, he told someone, I didn't go to seminary to move chairs. Yikes. Interestingly enough, that same gentleman is now the executive pastor at a really large uh, Baptist church in Texas. But let me just tell you, and you and I this morning, what were we doing in the fellowship hall? We were moving chairs. That's why you went to seminary. (laughs) Not necessarily the chair thing, but to be an example to be an example, to lead the way. Shepherds don't drive sheep. Sheep will not be pushed, but they will follow. They will know their leader, and they will look to where he is going. Be an example to the flock. So quality, pastoral, ministry, leadership, you need a vital personal relationship with Christ. 
You need a loving concern for God's sheep. And then the third quality, a desire to please Christ alone. If your ministry consists of pleasing yourself or pleasing people, you will almost always be discouraged. You will. I had someone tell me once, man, it must be, must be hard keeping all of these people happy. My response was, no, because I don't even try. I try to please the Lord. I try to please the Lord and I let him take care of the rest. People in this room, Mark, they will not always be pleased with you. It's true. You will not always be pleased with you. That happens to me every Sunday about one o'clock as I evaluate my sermon and think about where I stuttered or where I was unclear or where I could have done more preparation. Never really that pleased with myself. But what I have to know is that I, as I give my ministry over to the Lord, as I look to, to, to His satisfaction alone, I know that Christ alone can accurately assess my ministry. Christ alone assesses your ministry. So don't labor to build a, a personal empire. Don't labor to build a loyal following or, or the applause of men. All of that will fade. The only reward we ought to strive for is the unfading crown of glory that we have mentioned in verse 4. What a joy it will be to one day receive that, and what a joy it will be to then place it back at Jesus' feet, acknowledging that all we did was because of his grace and his power. We have no desire. We will have no desire for personal glory when we see our Savior face to face. We will know that it is to him that all glory goes. So no matter how large or small a church, no matter a pastor's role within it, the leaders must have a vital personal relationship with Christ, a loving concern for their people, and a real desire to please Jesus. That's the responsibility I charge you with today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day, and uh, we thank you for all that led up to this, and Lord, we thank you for all those that labored and served and met and prayed um, to, uh, to call Mark and Ann here to serve our church in these different ways. So Lord, we just, again, we look back to you now. We give this all over to you. We look to your leading and to your direction. Lord, we thank you that we have a message. The church has a message that it's that important to staff people, to gather weekly, to sing praises. The message of the gospel, salvation, relationship with, with you, the Lord of the universe. God, these eternal matters. Lord, I, I pray that as Mark is, is tasked with just laboring within those ideas amongst these people, God, that you would give him grace and kindness. I pray that for myself as well. Thank you for being able to be here today together. Thank you for these people. It's in Christ's name. Amen.